I want you to open your Bibles this morning, if you will, um, to Jonah. I'm going to put on the screen a different passage, but I know it's going to take you a little while to find Jonah because it's one of those little tiny Bible books toward the end of the Old Testament. And so you can be looking for that as we go. But a couple things I do want to throw out to you guys real quick. Next Sunday is our Baptism Sunday. And so if you come to faith in Christ... Um, or if you have been somebody that has come to faith in Christ a while back, you know, not just recent, but you've never been baptized, you never followed through with that public declaration of faith in a sense, we want you to go public with your faith next week. How many here at Momentum, you're going to be excited to see all these people go public with their faith next week, amen? And so today, you can go to the app, and you can sign up and let us know. That way, we get you information that will help you to prepare for baptism, help you understand the purpose of baptism as well. And so that's coming up. Um, I just want to say there's just so many exciting things happening right now at Momentum Church. Not just that God keeps filling the house. Isn't that exciting? Amen? Definitely. But just that God is doing a work in people's lives. And I'm just so excited to keep hearing testimony after testimony of lives being changed. And, and a lot of times we share those testimonies from the platform along with just a, a, a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ from this platform. And, 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 and we want to do everything we can to get the word out, right? And so here's something neat. We have podcasts. How many ever listen to the podcast? Yeah, yeah, a bunch of you, you know. It's a great way to go back and kind of slow down Sunday's roll a little bit. And if you couple that with the, the app that we have, the, 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 the um, notes are actually in there. I don't know if you know that. Right now, today, you can be following the sermon notes as we go. And so it's a great way to go deeper and to allow God to push that word deeper into your, your spirit. Um, another thing that we have people saying all the time to us is, we wish it was on video. You ever hear people say that? Yes, yes, yes. And so with that, what we want to do is I'm going to get really big hair, and we're going to become televangelists. <laughs> Ross, that's throwing shade. That's wrong. No, no, but what we are going to do is we have a neat opportunity that we can um, get some funds together to be able to do streaming our services, streaming live our services. And that's great if somebody does choose to miss. There's nothing like being in the house, but it's a great opportunity if for some reason you're sick or it's a great opportunity to get the gospel out. Amen? But here's the neat opportunity we have. On Saturday, before Labor Day, that Saturday is the Freedom Festival concert that the Fish puts on, Right? And so how many's ever been to the Freedom Festival concert, the Freedom Fest? It's awesome. Celebrate freedom. I never call things right. All right. So that concert is happening on Saturday. They've given us a neat opportunity. And here's what it is. If you guys bring 40 volunteers to come serve on Saturday, we're going to give the church $2,000. That's pretty cool. And so as a staff, we talked about it, and we said, what could we do with that 2000 And so we've decided that we're going to use that to go toward helping us to live stream and to get everything ready that we need. It'll go towards that. And so here's the thing. That Saturday on Labor Day weekend, if you can give opportunity that day to serve, you're actually going to give opportunity for us to be able to work towards getting our live streaming up. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So... Pastor Stephanie is working on getting all the volunteers together. You can sign up for that. You can talk to Stephanie. And um, we just think it's a neat opportunity for us to finally become a church that has live, live streaming. And um, I, people always ask me, it's like, are you going to do video and stuff someday, like when you have other campuses? No. Why? Because you don't want to see teeth like this, this tall. Right? You know, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So... All right, let's get into the word today. In 1 Peter chapter 3 has been kind of our jumping off point the last couple weeks. And I just want to say it one more time. Summing up 
it says, be agreeable, be sympathetic. That's, a, that's an awesome word. How about some sympathy in our world? How about some empathy? That's some nice stuff. Be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you, it says. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Ooh, I struggle with sharp-tongued sarcasm. How many here struggle with that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No sharp tongue. But then it says this, instead, everybody shout it real loud. Instead, I said instead, one more time, instead, we're supposed to bless. Literally, it says here, that's your job to bless. And if you'll bless, you'll be a blessing. And if you'll bless, you'll also get a blessing. And I believe God wants that upon us. But at times, there's things that we can posture ourselves in ways that we miss the blessing of God, all right? And so today, I want to look at this subject of missing God's best, missing that hope that wants to manifest in our lives. And we miss it sometimes because of the negativity, you know? Have you ever met someone that literally everything in their life, they have a negative spin on it? What do you want to do with those people? You want to embrace them sympathetically. <laughs> you want to speak words of loving sarcasm into, you know, no. be a blessing, be a blessing. No, but we've all met, and maybe ourselves at times are those people that just, we, we put a negative spin on things. And I saw this week and it cracked me up. How many's planning on watching the solar eclipse tomorrow? You got your glasses? I bought mine last night. I did like 9.30 at night. I did a run to a guy's house. It was like I was, I was like, like buying drugs. <laughs> I'm hoping they're legit. No, I think they are, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but, but, but I went and got my glasses last night. But there was a free event, and it was advertised on Facebook. And, and, and somebody sent me this clip. It said, free event, solar eclipse party. And we're going to be at that event. That's an awesome event. We like this. We're on our way. But one lady. Everybody say that one lady. How many has that one lady in your life? How many has that one dude in your, you know what I'm saying? That, that one at work, that one in your house, you know? This one lady, she says this. It cracks me up. Most kids go back to school that day. Can it be done on the weekend? Fighting sarcasm. But I, I didn't say this, but this sarcastic other person said this in their response. Did this lady just ask to reschedule the sun? <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. But here's the thing about it. In life, shade is often thrown, right? It's just part of life. And, um, but we, we don't have to choose to live in the shade. We don't have to choose to live in it. We can live above it. Amen. How, how many this week you had shade thrown at you? Be honest. I did a couple different times. And there was times I wanted to live in it. But God was saying, Ross, live above it, at least for a few weeks because you're preaching on the subject. <laughs> Be a good example, at least for a few weeks. No, no. But that challenge was coming to me. And every one of us at times, we can see God do great even works in our own lives, you know. And we still will walk around getting frustrated with people. We see God do something miraculous, and we still walk around getting bitter about things. We see God, the God that saved us, 
that set us free. The God that gave us a chance to have a life that's abundant and a new life and to be able to be transported, if you will, from darkness to light. You know, that same God, we have him in our lives, but at times that negativity can well up and, and it still has its influence and we get angry over nothing, you know? You know why? Sin. <laughs> It's our heart that is at times desperately wicked, and we've got to guard that heart. And today we're just talking about choosing hope instead of that shade, instead of that negativity. We all know those people who just absolutely love negativity. And here's the thing about it. The enemy would love for that to identify you, that negativity, that shade. He would love for it to identify you. In my mind, I think of it this way. It's like the devil works on us. If I can't take their salvation, I'll just take their joy. Because you ain't touching my salvation. But listen, if I can't take their eternity, I'll just rob them of their hope. I'll just take that hope and allow them to be so engulfed in negativity that they can never see hope in the midst of their situations. If I can't sap their grace-filled hearts full of the forgiveness of God towards them, I'll just rob them of forgiveness for others. And in doing so, I'll rob them of their influence that they can have in the world. Do you, see, do you see how powerful negativity is? Do you see how powerful the shade can be? It can be something that takes so much from us, but we guard our shade. We protect our shade. We nurture our shade. Sometimes we love our shade, you know. I deserve my shade, right? And so all of us are in the same boat. I mean, I definitely want to look at the other people because that's more fun, Right? We all have those negative people that we run into, but the truth matters, over time, they not only lose their ability to walk in this community, they just start to lose influence. And I don't want the people of Jesus in this community of faith called Momentum Church, I don't want us to lose our influence. We have an opportunity every day to influence people toward the gospel, toward the good news of the things of Jesus. And being so engrossed in guarding and fighting the shade and the negativity, and I'm going to stand up for myself, and we should. But there's a way of doing that. If we're not careful, we lose our influence, you know. Maybe you're at the PTA meeting, and next thing you know, here comes Debbie Downer, you know. Nobody wants to listen to Debbie. No offense to any Debbies in the house, because one of those Debbies in the house will punch me in the throat. I'm not sure if she's in this service or not. But, you know, here comes Debbie Downer. And, and you guys remember that Saturday Night Live bit years ago? Wah-wah. Remember that? It'd be something. It would always like a little downer thing. Everybody would say, wah-wah. It's like that Debbie Downer comes. And she might have some really good points for the PTA meeting, but wah-wah. Just the way she postures herself. You know, I, I said this years ago. The Lord showed me. I don't know if he showed me. It was kind of a business principle. And it's the idea of statements at the door. Okay, what that means is you're at a conference table, you're working together, or you're at the marriage table, and you're dealing with something with your spouse, but you get up from that place of conversation because you feel offended, you know, and you rise up, and you walk over by the door, and you go, you know, that's how it is, and if you don't like it, it's done. What's your choice? You can either come back to the table and talk, but most times you don't, or you have postured yourself at the door, and you walk out, and maybe you're not walking out Physically, but emotionally, you lose your influence at the table. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That's not in the notes, but that's a good point. All right? 
And so when it comes down to it, I don't know, it could be your place at work, you know. I, I, I bet you, you, know, you can tell that there's negative Nate. And negative Nate, whenever he comes around, it's like no one listens because Nate's influence is discarded because it always has a negative agenda, you know. Folks who, who wouldn't feel like themselves if they weren't up, maybe, maybe it's a thing. Folks who wouldn't feel like themselves if they weren't living in the shade. Maybe, maybe it's at home and your kids... They'd be like, Mom, do we have to eat this again? I'm going to give you all permission, parents. Look at your kids and go, wah, wah. <laughs> okay? This week, if they throw shade about your food, just wah, wah. Pastor said it was okay. That wasn't real sarcasm. That was love. I'm trying to love you into the right decisions, child. Wah, wah. I'm teasing. I'm kidding. All right. And so... When it comes down to it, over the next couple of weeks, we're not going to look at a, a, a drama mama over the next couple of weeks. We're going to look at kind of a downer dude, okay? We're going to look at a mopey man. You know I love these things. We're going to look at it. No, I'll stop right there. We're going to look at Jonah. And so if you turned your Bibles over to Jonah, see, the reason why we're going to look at Jonah is because he was one whose life was characterized by the shade. He was one who embraced the shade. He reveled in the shade. And no matter how much light was shed on the situation, he took the negative view all the time, choosing not to rise above and not to live above the shade, but to live, everybody say, in. To live in the shade. And so, as I said, in life, shade is often thrown, but we have to choose to live not in it, we have to choose to live above it. And over the next two weeks, we're going to look at Jonah, and we're going to see how he struggled with this, all right? We're going to look at a great city. We're going to look at a great fish. We're going to look at a great revival next week. I like revival. I like when God begins to move. And we're going to look at a great regret over the next couple of weeks. It's kind of a two-part, all right? So that means everybody here, come back next week. That's a good idea, but it's kind of a two-part. And so this week... I want us to stand to our feet and let's read Jonah chapter 4. We're going to go to the end of the story and kind of see where this negativity got him. And then we'll start working our way through this. And we're going to read a big chunk. Today, you'll be able to go home and say, I read a whole chapter of the book of the Bible. You know, so. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord. Now, why was he angry? Let me just throw this out real quick. He was angry because God wanted to do a move of God upon the people of Nineveh, who were a people that Jonah despised. I'll get to that a little bit more in a little bit. But he despised these people. And God wanted to do a work. And Jonah kept standing in opposition to that work. God does the revival, and he's still mad. God does the move of God, and he's still angry. God does the move, sees the life change, and he's still frustrated. He never could get away from living in the pain. Not just with it, my country. In other words, God, you're going to do this miracle? I, I knew you were going to do this. And I, I was so frustrated. That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious and merciful, slow to anger, pounding and steadfast love, relenting from disaster. I read that and I think... Jonah, what in the world's wrong with you? These are good things, right? Some awesome stuff right here. But then he says, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> and the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? Or in other words, is it right for you to be angry about this? 
Jonah went out of the city and sat the east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there, and he sat under it in the shade. Shout shade. shade. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Till he should see what would become of the city. And now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it cover, uh, come up over Jonah that it might be a, shout shade. shade. It's in the Bible twice. It might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. And so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant, because of the shade. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. How many little bit sick and twisted people here? You're like, go worm. That's me. Like, yeah. <laughs> and when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Again, he's asking these questions. And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Wah, wah. I told you the downer dude, he's a mopey man, I told you this. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left? And, and I don't know why God threw that in too. And they got a lot of cattle too. It's because God loves carnivores. That is why. Father God, I ask today that you bless all the vegetarians in the house, Jesus. And Lord God, I ask that you would lead us in the next few minutes as we look at your word. Just allow us to leave this house bettered by it. Lord God, allow your word to have its effect in us. In Jesus' name. And again, Lord, I thank you for meat. Amen. Amen. You can have your seat if you would. Woo. <laughs> this is going to be fun. And so here we want to be people who choose to live in the hope, not in the shade. And as we look at this idea of a great city, we're going to start with the great city. And I, and I got scripture. I've always had scripture. I'm sorry. I just can't preach any other way. Is that all right? We preach the word? Good, good. A great city, Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. That's a large city. It's a powerful city. At the time, until about 600 B.C., it was literally at the, for about 50 years, it was about the largest city in the known world at that time. It was a large city. And call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, and he found a big ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down in Scripture. With them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. That's one of the saddest things you'll read in Scripture. A person going away. I think this morning I'm saying press in. That's a good thing for us all. Press in. Don't, and if, if something's telling you to go away from the presence of the Lord, that's not Jesus. It's not God, right? And so we see here in this scripture a great city. And I got to thinking about that. Yes, the city is evil. Even God denotes that. He says it's an evil city. You know, this is a people who have rose up against God. This is a people who are pagans. They have a goddess that they worship called Nina, N-I-N-A. That's why they're the Ninevites. They're the city, the Nineveh. And this goddess they worship is the symbol of, this is cool, and we're going to get to this in a little bit. Her symbol is that of a fish inside a house. I love it. A fish and the ichthus of Nineveh, the fish of Nineveh, this fish inside the house, it symbolized Nineveh, this patron goddess that they had. And, and, and they're evil. And Jonah has no desire to see this group of people ever have anything better than destruction. 
No desire to see them step up. No desire to see them blessed by the presence of God. And, and even God says they're evil, but also God said they're a great city. Is that cool? Out of one side of God's mouth, he goes, they're evil. And out of the other side, he says, they're a great city. I think that teaches us something about negativity here. Do you see things in life as an opportunity or do you see things in life as an offense? I think that's a real, 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 real mark that helps us to understand if we're a person that embraces negativity, if we're that, that downer dude, you know, that, 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 that drama mama, if that's who we are. If we look at situations and all the time see the offense, then we may be ruled by negativity. We may live in, not just with, we may live in negativity. And so we see here, God is seeing a great city. God knows these people turn in repentance and a mighty move of my spirit's going to happen. They're going to just turn their lives over to the things of God. This is awesome. They're a great city. God could see the opportunity, but all Jonah could see was the offense. Let me ask you this question. In life, what is your focus on? Opportunity or of offense? If you find yourself walking in offense a lot, you just might be living in negativity, not just with negativity. I'm going to throw this out. The sad situation in Charlottesville, Virginia. There are so many sides to this. I get that. But I'm looking at this. There's opportunity for people to draw together. I'm not looking for every element of offense that can drive us apart. Does that make sense? Can we embrace that? See that in America, for a great move of God, for racial reconciliation. And I would love to see that in America. And if it doesn't happen in America, by God, it's going to happen here in this house. Amen? By God, his grace. By God, his mercy. By God, his leadership. By God, his anointing that God will allow us to be a place that welcomes all, all people. Amen? That's good preaching. And when it comes down to it, all week long, there's been people running to offense or there's been people running to, 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 to opportunity. And, and I was so blessed. I had a couple friends this week that decided they wanted to run to opportunity. And, and, and one of my friends, he invited a, a, a black friend to come over, I'm going to say more of an acquaintance, to come over to their house for dinner. Because they just wanted to know, what's on your heart? What are you thinking this week? What, what does this feel like in your situation? What... what not, this is my stance and this is your stance, and da, 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 but just help me understand your heart. You're my friend. I want to show sympathy. Help me understand. Is that cool? Isn't that, let me say it, an opportunity? Man, I'm telling you, that white man and woman and that black woman, they're tight. And tight is right. They're close now. It was something that they started that is just drew their hearts together. Had another friend who met with two African-American fellows. Just, I got to sit down and just talk. Where are you at? Where's your heart with this? I know for myself this week, I called a few of my black friends. Just, where are you at with this? Not this side, that side. I don't care. This is my friend. I, I want to know, where's your heart with this? Help me to understand the frustration. Help me understand what's going on, you know? Not taking any sides, but help me to understand is it an opportunity or is it an offense? And I think that's a powerful thing. And, and, and you know, the thing about that is somebody who has jaded with offense and every little thing, they'll almost take your compassion in the situation as an offense. They won't see, no, your compassion is an opportunity. 
And so I got to thinking about that, and my compassion and concern over the suffering and pain of black people is not a personal affront to the southern white gentleman. Can I say that again? My compassion for the pain of black folk is not an affront to the southern white gentleman. Not at all. Not at all. My empathy for my black friends, it does not make me paint every truck-driving country music listening man with a draw as a racist. It doesn't. I am at times that guy in a truck, and I don't say words all the time just right. I'm not going to paint every man that's a heart for, if you will, country living as a racist. I'm not going to do that. I will only treat you like a racist if you act like one. All right, so my thing is this, southern white gentlemen, act like southern white gentlemen. Gentle, shout gentle, men. Full of compassion. We don't have it all figured out. But God help us to see this as an opportunity, not an offense. And if you are that person that is racist, God bless you in your little twisted heart. May have mercy on you. Amen? I know that's a little sobering and somber, but we need to hear that today. Amen? And so you can look at that. Like Jonah, he's looking at this whole group of people in Nineveh, and he's just so upset with who they are and the situation. And don't you realize they this? And don't you realize they that? Yes, I get that. But here's an opportunity, and all God sees is a great city full of potential that he can do a great work in. And all Jonah can see is the issue at hand. And I say that to the black families and the white families. On both sides, God can do a work if we can look at each other with compassion. And I thought it was beautiful just this week, some of the rallies and things that did take place where people on platform, both colors, saying, stop violence. No violence now. Let's get past this. Let's work through this. Let's know each other. Let's, that's powerful. Can we give God praise in this house? Amen? Amen. So, I'll tell you where I get offended. How many of you here ever, Facebook? Anybody? Ever? I went on a Facebook fast this week, not because of any issue. It was because I've been seeking God on something for about 45 days, and, and I just didn't get the answer, and I had a two-week fast, and, and I just still didn't get the answer, and I, and I just needed to clear my mind some more. And so I had determined on last Sunday night to shut the Facebook off and just focus in, and, and, and I do feel like the Lord has spoken to me answers this week, which is awesome. But, but the thing about Facebook is, I'm going to say this, listen, half the shade that you perceive is just the result of miscommunication. That's all it is. Half the shade you perceive when you're doing, the, you know, and I do it. We all do it, you know. But half that shade you perceive is just miscommunication. And I just want to challenge you, stop texting and stop posting and call people. It's hard to have misinterpretation when it's just a give and take, back and forth. But, but, but that might be difficult. <laughs> yes. But it's what people do that want to be unified. It's what people do that want to find opportunity, not offense. So twice this week, I dealt with shade. And twice this week, I wrote my thoughts down. And twice this week, Amy, my wife, and the Holy Spirit, <laughs> truth, helped me to just leave it in the box, you know, just, just set it over here, 
Yes, and I wanted to talk to these people. I want to be able to better handle the offense and the negativity, and, and, and it wasn't all dealing with this issue. It was some other things, and, and I want to be able to work through that and keep, keep relationships strong and healthy and find opportunity for hope to rise and for joy to rise and for peace to rise in those situations, but I guarantee you a text will miss it every time. So give people a break. When you read something, you go, ugh. For some of those people, give them a break because you may just be misinterpreting a little bit of their heart and contact them. Can we talk about this? I want to understand. I want to know where you are coming from. And so when it comes down to, I don't know about you, when you do get in that cycle of negativity, doesn't it feel like sometimes you just feel like there's no way out? You know what I'm saying? You just feel like, man, there's this negativity going on, and I just don't know how I'm going to get through this and how I'm going to get out. You know, let me say it this way. I don't care about how bad your choices have been. God always wants to give you an opportunity to choose life. He always wants to give you an opportunity to live in the hope, not in the shade. And it was God. It was so awesome. God didn't write Jonah off. He kept trying. If I was God, I would just written Jonah off. I'd been like, I'll get another prophet, you know? You stink, you know. Tarshish, go. I don't care. I'll find somebody else, you know. But not God. Why? Because he loves us enough to keep giving us opportunities. To find opportunity, not just walk on offense. Now, we saw the end of this story. So we saw Jonah never learned the lesson. You know, I, how many was taught that as a kid? You, in your head, you thought Jonah ended up being a good guy. You know, kind of like he preached, people got saved. Life's good. There was some plant that died. But as a kid, it's just like, eh plant died, but people got saved, life's good. No, he started a schmuck and he ended up a schmuck. I mean, I don't want to say it. He was bad from the beginning. He was bad in the end. I'm sorry, Jonah, someday, heaven, maybe we'll talk. Well, hopefully, I don't know, but hopefully, and I'll just look at you like, dude, you missed it, but not God. He sends Jonah a way of escape. This is beautiful. But I want you to see how Jonah postures himself in the midst of this way of escape. Number two, a great fish. So you have a great city and now a great fish. In Jonah 1, verse 17, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 through 2, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol or the grave I've cried, and you've heard fainting away. I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came up to you into your holy temple. This all sounds really good, doesn't it? Until the next verse. Watch how much negativity has ingrained itself into the psyche of Jonah. My prayer came to you into your holy temple. Verse 8, those who pay regard to vain idols. Who is that? The Ninevites, right? Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. What? God gives you a way of escape and you're not dead? You ought to be just crying out for mercy inside that belly of that fish. But in the midst of it, you're like, look at me, I'm holy and I'm coming to your temple. But forsake those people, those vain idolaters. Don't even give them your, your steadfast love. Do you see that? And then he goes right back into it. Watch this, verse 9. But I, with voice of thanksgiving, I'll sacrifice to you. Well, praise your little name. 
What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Yeah, it probably made the fish sick. Your self-righteousness was nauseating. And in the midst of the nauseousness, that you know, just throws. That's not in there. That's not in there, but. All I'm saying is Jonah couldn't even enjoy his physical salvation from destruction without throwing shade. Is that crazy? This is where his mind is. And there's a deeper thing in here that I, I just I want you to see. This is cool. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. That word steadfast love in the Hebrew is chesed. Sometimes spelled H-E-S-E-D. Some people spell it that way. Some people spell it C-H-E-S-E-D. But it's chesed. It's loving kindness. It's awesome. It's this sense of, 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 of God's active love. It's not passive. It, there's action to chesed. It, it's because it, it flows out of the thought of covenant. It flows out of the thought that, that God is binding himself to a people to show himself faithful. And Jonah's so excited about that that he's there, but forsake that in their lives. In other words, he's seeing offense, not opportunity. In other words, he's disdaining the grace of God. Was it not the grace of God that sent a fish to save him? Sure was. Sure was. But now in the belly of that fish, I would wake up a couple days in the fish going, Dang, I'm still alive. Are you kidding me? This is pretty stinky. It's awesome though. I'm not dead. That's good. But in the midst of this thing, all he can think of is disdain toward the, that great city, that, that city full of evil people. And, and so grace should always be a reminder of our way of escape, okay? This fish is a symbol of grace. Three days, it's not an accident. It talks of three days. Jesus, three days in the grave, and he rises from the dead, and he, his grace can be sufficient in our lives because his resurrection is real, it's a, it's a symbol of grace, this whole thing. Grace should always be a reminder of our way of escape. In other words, God, you did a work in me. How can I not expect and think you can do a work in this situation? Rather than being negative, how can I not think that your hand can't move in this situation? But here he disdains that grace. And I got to thinking about that. I told you earlier the goddess of Nineveh was Nina, and she was symbolized as a fish inside of a house. And I got to thinking about it. If that becomes something that marks us so much, and we can't look for grace in situations, all right? We can't look for hope in situations. We can't look for joy in situations. If that's the case, then that thing that you are always negative about, if we're not careful, it will consume us. Literally, that grace could be an opportunity, or that grace can be an offense. Ross, that's not, no, grace is always good. No, 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 the cross is an offense to the one that does not see it as an opportunity. Right? It's an opportunity for the one that goes, oh, but for your grace, there go I. Isn't that good? And so I just want to get, I don't think it's an accident. It was a fish that swallowed Jonah up. I think it was a symbol, if you will, almost of the ichthus of Nineveh. This, this, this idea of here's an opportunity. Will you allow God to take this mess and turn it into a miracle? Or will you walk in offense continually to the end? And we have a choice. We have a decision on how we embrace that or not. And so the reason why Jonah couldn't do that is because he lived from a platform of pain. He lived, watch this, he lived with his pain 
is one thing, but he lived in his pain. The point is you need to live with your pain but not in your pain. All of us are going to have pain, but is that pain going to have us? This is just a thought I had a few months ago when we were talking about this series, and I wrote it down. And I, every one of us lives with something. How many has some pain in your body? Be honest. This, this arm, I don't, I, see that scar? It hurts. That happened when I was 29. I'm almost 45. I still can feel this. That's why I live in Georgia. In Ohio, it's cold. And when you pump gas, you can feel the metal in your body, you know? And so with that, that idea of, 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 of pain, we all have pain. All of us have been given a way of escape, though. We've all been given the opportunity to rush to grace, to rush to God. Have your way in my life. I am living with it, but I'm not going to live in it. It's not going to identify me, this thing that's bringing pain, this negative situation. I'm not going to allow it to be anything but an opportunity to me. Amen? And so you need to live with your pain but not in it. You need to choose to live in the hope that God has for you, not in the shade. Choosing to live with hope and not with the shade all the time. And, and you may say to yourself, you know what, Ross, I, I, I do. I have pain and sickness and maybe depression. I get that. I might live with sickness and depression, but I'm going to choose to live in hope. I, I might live with the struggle, but I'm going to choose to live in pursuit of the one that has an answer to my struggle. It may come down to it. I might live with poverty. How many's ever been poor? Be honest. Nope. Rip, man. There was a season. Where, well, not poor like third world poor. I'm talking America poor. Anybody America poor? It is different. You're right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I remember being broke, you know? So you might live with poverty, but I'm going to choose to live in joy. The stuff I have doesn't define the joy I possess, you know. I, I might live with anger, but I'm going to choose to live in forgiveness. Do you see how that works? We can't get away from the with, but we can choose to not allow the with to become the platform that we live out of. Jonah, next week we'll look at it a little bit more, but Jonah, he couldn't shake the shade. Jonah, he, he, in his way, he lived in his lack of forgiveness. He lived in his need to be vindicated. You know? And so what I want us to do today, this is, I love it when I can preach you happy. Let's go home and take on the world. We'll do that next Sunday. But I want you to rest with this sense a little. Is that okay? Jonah was three days in the whale and it didn't change him. Can, can I just have the naive prayer? No, let me say the hope-filled prayer. We rest with this for about six, seven days, come back next week, and all of us have some testimonies of how we look for opportunity instead of offense. Can I, can I just believe for that? Right now in your heart, in your mind, if there's something that you think you're right, Ross, there's, there's a fence I hold on to. Let's give that to Jesus today. Not one of you I want to see vomited up on the shores of Nineveh. You saw it didn't help him. It didn't help him. You fight God's grace. I've said it before. God's grace is supposed to flow through us. If we don't let it flow through us, it won't flow to us. You say, wait a second, that means we earn grace? No, no, no. I'm talking about the effect of grace, the effectualness of his grace in our life. 
we don't allow it to flow out of our lives, we become stagnant and self-righteous. So this week, let's just let that set on us. God, give us the opportunity this week to recognize what we're, we're living with, but that we don't have to live in it. By doing that, Lord, how? how? Well, well, I'm, I'm going to look at everything as an opportunity, not an offense. Right now, let me pray over you. Jesus, my friends, help us. Help them. God, we, we need your help. This doesn't come natural. We've been saying every week that tongue no human can control. We need a work of Holy Spirit to come, to strengthen, to allow us to be those people, Lord God, that carry influence in the world because we're those people that look at every turn for opportunity, not offense. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.